Episode 42 of the Church Digital Podcast. We got a lot packed into this episode here. You know, some of the most fun we have here on the Church Digital is when we pack a bunch of people on a call or in our room somewhere and basically just talk church online stuff. What's working? What's not working? What are we going to try next? Stuff like that. Well, this is essentially what we've done in this week's episode. We brought together five people from around the country who are doing some sort of church online and let them talk and basically learn from each other, figuring out what to do next. The best part is we brought in people from different denominations, different strategies, even different sizes of church together for this conversation. From a 20,000-person gigachurch all the way down to a sub-100-person church plant. We hit on different topics in the conversation, from creating community, discipleship, volunteering, microlocations, and did finally, did somebody say digital church? If you want to skip around the podcast to hear certain topics, feel free. We've included the time code in the show notes so you can dive in there. By the way, these are the types of conversations we have regularly with church online people. If you're interested in jumping into a church online cohort just like this, get more information at thechurch.digital. I'll let the guests introduce themselves in a minute, but for now, let's go ahead and welcome to the podcast Andy Mage, Mark Brandt, TJ Winters, Adrian Feldman, and Joe Radisevich in the first of hopefully many church online cohorts. Hey, everybody. Here you go. Hey, Mark, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself, your, your church online ministries. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, Mark Brandt, Digital Outreach Minister for Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we're a church of around um, 20,000 plus members, uh, six campuses, five microsites, uh, about 12,000 annual worship or average worship. Um, and we started streaming about five years ago, um, which is about the time that I came on board with our online ministry. And um, my real heart has been to start and get people connected uh, that can't or don't live near one of our current campuses. So the idea of those uh, microsites is really where my heart beats, is just connecting people to the larger church story. That's awesome. So Mark's up in, in Iowa at a arguably giga church up at that level. And then we got TJ uh, down in San Antonio. San, TJ, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name's TJ Winters. I am at Concordia Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. And um, we have been around for 60 plus years. Um, we've been streaming actually very early. So we started streaming in 2005 using Windows Media wow. Video and a PC for like 10 people a Sunday, you know, and it's just grown since then. We've really taken um, the church online focus uh, has become a forefront over the past few years, more than just streaming. Um, but we've gone through a lot of, a lot of hurdles, a lot of growth uh, challenges, you know, with, with mobile coming into play and stuff. And it's, it's awesome to be where we are today where we can just hit go. And the tech is the least of the problems. Now we get to focus on discipleship, follow-up, community things like that so that's awesome we've come a long way from windows media player real networks do you remember that that was i don't even know if that was around in 2005 but like that was the the prerequisite to some of that stuff and that was that was crazy and some millennial somewhere is yeah. like what but that's that's another conversation uh then we've got uh adrian uh, who's in kentucky i want to say yep. right yes yep. i did something right kentucky adrian, tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> 
Uh, my name is Adrienne Feldman. I'm at Northeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Actually, our very first online campus pastor. We started streaming our services like three years ago, but it's really been just push and play and letting people watch the services for a long time. So my job, actually, I started as an intern in January uh, in Bible college, and I wrote the plan for how we were going to go from just online streams into an online campus. And they said, hey, do you want a job? And I said, okay. So I'm here kind of trying to translate that from just streaming to a full-fledged campus and match that with kind of our church's DNA. So, I mean, you're beginning to see some of the, um, the, the paradigms here where you've got, you know, some larger established church has been doing it a long time. Then you got Adrian, who's coming at this literally, she was an intern, what, a year ago, six months ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 now she's uh, she's running her own show. Uh, and now we've got Andy Mage from the Tampa area. So yep, yep, Andy, Tampa. tell us a little bit about uh, your church down there, your ministry. Sure, yeah. Uh, I am the online campus pastor for Bay Hope Church, uh, formerly Van Dyke United Methodist. We are a Methodist church. Uh, we're, uh, we've got, what, three campuses, about four microsites. Uh, we run about 3,000 to 4,000 on a weekend, that type of thing. Like TJ, we were very early into streaming. Um, the Bay Hope's been streaming since 2006, 2007, right around there. Like TJ, the tech is the least of the worries right now. They brought me on. Actually, I was a worship pastor for 10 years. Not 12 years, but 10 of them full time. And they brought me on um, to be the pastor over this this brand new wing. Kind of, the, they, they saw this opportunity for digital discipleship. And that's kind of where I'm at is I've been in the job six or seven months now. And it's, uh, we're getting to form community, we're getting to form groups, we're getting to form relationships in this weird online context. And it's so rewarding. And it's so challenging all at the same time. So and just to continue to develop up this, uh, this cohort here, we're putting together, I wanted to bring in a unique perspective as well, because we've got different size churches, different places, and maybe ministry experience. We've got Joe Radicevich coming in from Belgium, Wisconsin. I wanted to give Joe uh, a chance maybe to, to set and explain a little bit about who he is and, and where he is in ministry. Uh, so my name is Joe Radicevich. I am the lead and only pastor of Belgium Community Church in Belgium, Wisconsin. This is a church plant. We had 55 people on Sunday. And we use really online tools to extend our reach really all throughout our area. This is an area where most churches have uh, closed their doors. Most, uh, most, if not many towns have no Christian church at all. It's kind of strange to be in an area where lots of people have never heard the gospel. That doesn't make any sense to them. If they wanted to go to a church, there's not a church to go to. So we, this is actually a church that closed its doors. We restarted after a year and a half, we restarted. So as a church plant, just been in conversations with Jeff because we kind of function as an online church with a physical campus because that extends our reach and our ability to disciple all week. So because we're small and I'm the only pastor, that means that some things that would take a chain of command to do it, we can just say, hey, that sounds good. Let's try it. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I love, I love the small church that's being willing to experiment. But we've got a really kind of rich structure here from a 20,000 person multi-site uh, church uh, all the way down to uh, a 66, maybe 55 person church plant, all looking to utilize church online uh, and all looking to do online ministry in different ways. And so 
I want to open it up. I want to start talking through some things and, um, and just see where we get to. So there were five topics that we, we hit on um, that all of you said, hey, these are the goals. And as I started to group them together, there were five kind of key topics that came up from it. The first one of it uh, was creating community, creating community. And so Adrian, um, you were one of those who said that you were like, that was something that you wanted to work on. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you're hoping to do, what you're hoping to achieve. As a church that hasn't really spent a lot of time with an actual online campus, we've just been doing streams, like I said earlier. Um, online community is something, well, community in general, not even online community, is not something that we have done very well as an online campus. So for 2020, we have some really big goals to start creating, I mean, I know a lot of people are doing this, but creating Facebook groups so that we can start getting our people together on a regular basis so that they're talking to each other and really starting to get to know each other. Um, and, and then from there, we're hoping to not far into 2020 launch some real community groups that exist both in the digital space, but also face to face from meeting in the digital space. So that's where we're headed this year. Um, community is something that is vital to the online church. You know, it's really easy to get in this mode where you're just watching church every weekend face to screen and not ever taking that opportunity to plug in. And I think the online church has a really cool opportunity to connect a lot more frequently than most of our people who come every weekend to our campuses really get to do. Um, who of you guys, who else is working on, on community? Um, Andy, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's funny, Adrian. I um, our, Back when I stepped into this position here, our uh, social media coordinator, uh, this brilliant, brilliant uh, lady named Jessica, she had had that same idea. Hey, we're going to set up a group. It was just a, it was an online campus, quote unquote, group. And it was around for a couple months. And she just started inviting people that were normally involved in any sort of chat that we had. And it was really rudimentary at the time. We had like 30 people. So it was just like this co kind of core group of people. I stepped in and I said, okay, that's great. We need to really start pushing that. And so we've, you know, we've grown, we have like just under 300 people right now. It's great. It's fine. It's awesome. It's, it, it is what it is, but it's the, how do we keep them connected throughout the week type of mentality. And what I've found and what I'm trying to do in 2020 is to be um, less intentional about the things I say and more intentional about engaging with people on their level. Because I came in with this sort of blistering mentality, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, bazooka down this wall, and everybody's going to be best friends, and we're all going to want to get coffee with each other, except we all live all over the country and all over the world. And what I found is the organic creation of community will happen. You just need to give it time. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not very time friendly. I, I like to, I'm very type A and very thousand miles an hour you know, one of the things that I'm trying to be intentional about in 2020 is, is letting that, that community organize itself and then pastoring into that and over that instead of um, doing the thing that I did. So my, my wife and I, and, I, and this is going to be a quick little story. My wife and I, um, back when I was worship leading, we stepped away from worship ministry to open a nonprofit faith-based gym. Uh, and it was kind of this CrossFit high-intensity type gym. And we were very intentional about community building then. And that's how the gym grew and the gym's still around, all these other things. And so we had to force meetings and gatherings and all these other things. And we had this very tangible, very present, present thing of, hey, you guys are doing these intense workouts. You're suffering, you're brothers and sisters in arms type thing. 
we don't really have that shared experience in the online community realm. We have that maybe one hour that everybody's watching something and then we have the rest of the week where we need to let things happen. And so I, I just want to see things bubble up throughout the rest of the year and, and, and respond into that. Is there, is there an intentionality shift though when you do something like that? Like if you want to intentionally like create a community 365 days a year, but your, your main vehicle for creating content so we can services that happens, you know, one hour on Sunday, like you're going to run out of content for that, that 365. Like how are, how are you intentionality or how do we intentionality create community 365 days a year? So the plan that we've been outlining with our comms and our creative teams has been to create content such that it creates conversation. And what I mean by that is we're kind of creating videos, podcasts, readings, blog, you know, things that will intentionally ask one big question each time. And that one big question is then, does that, so uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we're making um, this entire video series for the none of the above, the nuns is what we're calling it. This, this, this video series on sexuality and, and, and the Bible and spirituality, you know, all the thing, all the questions that the nuns are answering. And we have a, we have a, a couple of really brilliant graphic designers. Um, our, one of our junior designers, she's actually not a believer, which is really cool. Uh, to have on our staff and she's kind of just fresh out of college and all this other things and, and she loves our church and loves the people and loves but she she lives in that world that she doesn't really believe in Jesus and yet she still wants to be around us and so we started asking her hey what is so um, beautiful what do, you, what do you like about this and so she started answering so our director of communications he said huh we can do a thing on that and so we're creating a video series on that. And I'm, I'll be starring it. And we'll have other people that are kind of answering these biblical questions, you know, that with it's these questions about budgeting and how to adult and how to, how to do taxes and why do we listen to this and why I've lived my entire life without a biblical, biblical community. Why do I need one now? That type of thing. Three to five minute videos with one big question attached to it designed to create engagement. So Jeff, I think you're right in saying there is an intentionality there, but I don't necessarily want to try to force an answer. Joe, you were, you were one that I think was looking for a community a, a, as well, but in, in a small church, does that look different than what they're describing? Like what, what it's the, what's the community needs that you guys are hoping to achieve there in at Belgium? So one of the differences between us and some of you guys is several of you guys, if not all of you guys are online campus pastors. And so your goal ends up staying there. Although I realize some of you want to do some out, um, uh, connections outside of that, we end up using online, you know, and uh, an online experience, online campus, if you will, to drive those personal connections in our community. So, we, so the purpose for us to connect people is for discipleship throughout the week. The next step for us, which has been to kind of create an online presence, if you will, an online brand for our community, so that people can connect with us at any time, is not just connect people with us, but the online community element is, can we actually create a community where people minister to each other online? We're really exploring what is the whole purpose of community groups, small groups, those kind of things. And it's relevant to this because oftentimes churches, at least in my experience at large and small churches has been, we create community groups to serve the church. Our church can grow bigger if people have the community connection in a small group. And so they'll grow as a disciple and our church can grow bigger. The description somebody gave is as a, of a toilet bowl where the swirl is basically to try and get everything to the middle. And that's often how we end up using small groups. 
um, as to serve the church when the real purpose for any kind of group that we have is how do we actually send them out better? And so that's kind of in my mind as I think through, we want to connect people to each other, but not just so our church can get bigger or so that we can, you know, just reach more people. Although those are actually fine goals and fine reasons, but ultimately can we make them, can we equip them to be better disciples by connecting them to each other? And so we're actually sending them out rather than drawing them in. And Joe, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I think the goal, uh, you know, we talk about engagement. We talk about these things in, in perhaps a, the online campus, quote unquote, uh, space. But that looks very much like exactly what you're talking about. That looks very much like engagement, not for just time wasting sake and not just for, hey, we got another cool video's sake, but really delving into the discipleship aspects of, you know, make, you know the, the be one, make one type mentality that I think we all need to have. Our online campuses everywhere, yours included, because, you know, you, you have an online presence, you can technically call it whatever you want, but the, the online space is such that we have an enormous, quick, rapid response way of discipleship. And I think that's so beautiful, not just for that, not just for a, a large church and not just for a small church, but for churches everywhere. And that should be the challenge for church online in general. The word church online, and we've talked about this before, it's lost its meaning. The majority of churches that are out there that are doing anything in an online community are just broadcasting or just doing that, that one-way communication. Billy Graham did that in the 90s. He preached one message. A billion people heard it as it was bounced off of 34 satellites around the globe. Online gives us that two-way communication. Joe, I love what you said about connecting people to people. That's where the, the technology is, is now. Well, let me ask a question before we shift off of community because I want to hone in here. Are you guys looking at Facebook as the main community? Are you looking to, as the platform for community? Are you looking to create communities in other areas? I'm just curious, like the nuts and bolts of, okay, so we said we want to create a community. We want to focus on this. How are you actually doing it? We are starting on Facebook. Um, I like to see Facebook as a, a digital church lobby, if you will. You know, we've got all these people who are tuning into a service. They never get a chance to walk into a service and have communication with other people. So we're looking at Facebook as that place where people are going to mingle and people are going to chat and all of those kinds of things. But our end goal is to push people into those face-to-face -face groups that are going to be away from the internet or if they're going to be participating in any sort of community group that's happening online, it's gonna happen a lot like this in a Zoom call or with um, other types of messaging technology that's gonna get them in a little bit more face-to-face, -face, you know, a Google Hangout or whatever that's gonna look like. So I don't see Facebook as the, uh, you know, the be all end all, the solution that's gonna solve all those community problems, but I think it makes a really great living room for people to start having communication with each other. Start in the church lobby, like at actual, in the physical locations, you get to observe how other people act and decide who you're going to walk up to and talk to. You can do that on Facebook pretty well. You get to start to see who people are before you make that decision to step into a call with them. So I, I like the idea of using both of them because you get these opportunities to observe people from a distance before you really engage. And I think that's important for people, especially our online campus people who sometimes need a minute to 
to observe before they walk in. A lot of people use online for that anyway. Well, um, I'll, I'll tag on the, on the end of that as well. We're, we're Facebook, yes. We're also um, leaning heavily into YouTube in 2020. We're finding a lot of the, the demographic around us, the younger demographic, they're shying away from Facebook for very righteous, very uh, well-known reasons. The Facebook thing is, is kind of one side. The YouTube side, the, the YouTube um, um, kind of group, there is no YouTube group building tool. And so ideally we're funneling everybody, just like you said, Adrian, into Zoom calls, into discipleship groups and into um, small groups like we are in right now. Uh, but YouTube is, is very funny. Uh, you can, it's very powerful. And yet at the same time, it's very expensive. And that's the unfortunate part right now. It's expensive because you're create, you're paying for a lot of ads and things like that on YouTube. Yeah. To get traction. It, it, yeah. So that, without a group building tool, uh, without a, with, you know, Facebook groups is very powerful. Uh, and, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with it. And we're doing things like that, announcements and uh, notes and discussion groups and things like that within a, a localized group that is branching off of your main Facebook page. YouTube doesn't have that. And the only way that you lately get any visibility is to throw ad dollars at it. We've been running an experiment with our, um, our worship side of the entire church, throwing some ad dollars at it and watching the subscriber numbers go skyrocketing uh, just with not meager amounts of money, but enough money to where you get clicks and get uh, subscribers and things like that. Now we're going to try to transfer that to our actual YouTube, our actual main YouTube page, but again, the group dynamic is not there. So we need somebody that can speak into chat and draw them somewhere else. So that's kind of the 2020 goal right now. I had, uh, and you guys are, we've talked about Jay Crand on the podcast before he's been on recently. And um, Jay told me this, this quote once, and, and I'm, I'm curious if this is uh, relative to you guys, if this, if you connect with it. In a, in a, in a physical church, um, there was a time where people would connect to Christ before they would connect to community. In, in virtual church and church online, uh, it's easier for people to connect to community before they connect to Christ. I'm just curious, like that's, that was Jay's take. I've seen it go pro and con within your own church and ministries. Um, like, does that, do you think that relates? Do you, do you see that? What's been your experience? It's interesting that people are longing for something deeper. I think that's the bottom line, even in what you ask. You know, I, I get a sense that when we look at how, who's connecting to us online, from around the country. Uh, there's a reason for why they're choosing to, to connect with us, you know, even from thousands of miles away versus finding something that might be more in their backyard. And I don't, I'm, I'm trying to discover what that is because, you know, if I can find out what that is, I think then we can best speak into maybe where they're at in life and connect them to a larger story. What we're really wrestling with is, you know, how can we create a sense of community that is both authentic, you know, if it's going to remain online or, uh, opens the door to the possibility of in-person, you know, so that they could find a connection in real time where they're at. I love the fact that I've got this couple that just joined our church from Redding, California. There are no other hope folks in Redding, California, you know, and so if they're going to be in a small group, that's going to happen one of two ways in an online group, which will work great for a time. But I think even online groups have a short shelf life in the sense that eventually you're going to want to connect to people that you can have over to your house and sit on a couch with you. And, um, and so that's in essence, I think, you know, Joe, to kind of something you were saying, you know, we're trying to actually use online to, to get smaller, you know, as, as a large church, we want to use online to help people mm -hmm. connect smaller um, because, you know, otherwise we're just a big church and there's a, there's a lot of big churches and being big isn't all it's cracked up to be. 
if you're not connected to somebody intentionally in relationship where you can grow. For the folks that we have watching that we've seen, a lot of them are coming for the word. They want to hear the word. You know, we skew uh, more traditional in general. We're, we're more traditional church, um, you know, from a, a liturgical standpoint, at least our practices. So a lot of those folks, they seem to be less engaged in online chat. They seem less engaged in the comments. They want to hear the word. They want to connect. Now, they will connect with somebody maybe after the service email. They'll reach out, things like that. But in general, a lot of the people, they want to hear the word. They want to hear the gospel. That's, that's why they're there. They want to grow in their faith. And they do grow in their faith by hearing that way if they don't have an opportunity to go anywhere else. Um, but I haven't seen as much community for a lot of those folks. It's, it's the word first. TJ, I said to jump in here. Are those, are those, we're kind of wrestling with that, that same thing right there. Um, are those folks that are not, engaging in chat and I, I think chat metrics are, are kind of a, a push comes to shove type type um, uh, measurement uh, are those folks already engaged in something locally are they local to your church now like how, what is the breakdown of that do you know the ones I'm talking about specifically are out of town and sometimes they're shut-ins or, or snow or you know weather or circumstance whatever um, the folks locally we have a lot of those folks who yes they love the church community church family um, but for the, those who are out of town, they're not there to join, a, a, um, for the most part. They're not saying that they're there to join an online small group or to engage and have these conversations in the chat. They're there for the service. The hardest part of church online to, to get it to be a justified, full-functioning ministry is discovering the people who are watching the services and get them, can, getting them connected into a discipleship pathway, uh, into yeah. something, groups next steps, membership, you know, whatever it, it is. That's the thing that, that we have to work the hardest on as, as online ministers. That's not different from the physical church, by the way. The hardest thing from a, a physical church is, as, as a campus pastor, as a multi-site, okay, we just watched this, this message. Now I need, my job as a campus pastor is to get these people connected into, into ministry. And, and, you know, they're wanting to run through that lobby as quick as possible to not engage, to not talk to people, to not. Um, and, and so like, that's, that's the challenge before the church is to really figure out how to create opportunities for people to connect in community, uh, to, to get that next step, to, to get involved in, in it. And that's, that's not an online problem. That's a, that's a church problem. Well, that, then that's a robust issue. You know, when you think about, you know, obviously in online, we cannot recreate everything that, that a brick and mortar church can do. Um, and there are certain things that still, I think, in the church need to be experienced in person. And yet, at the same time, we have an opportunity in the online sphere to, uh, to really care for people in a unique way. You know, so when one of our growth curves for this next year is noticing that, you know, online folks have the same care needs that the folks that walk through our doors have. How do we do pastoral care for somebody who's a thousand miles away? How do we connect with local churches there? that might be able to provide, you know, much needed help and resources for somebody who's in need that we can't provide from as far away as we are. So yeah. there's, some, there's an interconnectedness to what we're trying to do in the online sphere as well, because we never want to assume that whoever that IP address is that's watching us from Saskatchewan, Canada, or wherever it might be, has, has got this wonderful, wow, isn't it great they stumbled upon us? This is awesome. Yeah. They must be a perfect person and great have this. No. There's a reason why they're connecting with us and getting to know what that reason is also involves care, discipleship, mentorship. It's a big, big, deep 
awesome challenge to beyond just, hey, we're putting something out over the airwaves. And, and I think that's really, and I, I don't know, Andy, one of your goals was, was talking about that uh, discipleship piece, but it really comes down to who had the, who was, who had the people in Redmond, California earlier? Uh, Mark. Okay, great. Mark, you got two people in Redmond. They're all by themselves. And, and to your point, Mark, you said, hey, um, at some point they need to get into a, a physical relationship because even talking through a Zoom, there, there's a, a limit to that. And, and, and I, I agree, which opens up, um, you know, a discipleship relationship where now I'm going to empower these two people with Redmond, California. My job is to disciple them to the place where they can start their own group. You know, maybe they want to stay connected with, with my church where I'm at. And, but my job is, is not to get them addicted to my content. My, do, my job is to empower them and create a, a disciple maker who's capable of making disciples in, in Redmond. And, and if that equals a small group, if that equals a micro location and some of these other things that, that we're, we're talking about, then that's awesome. If that just equals somebody who's dedicated to, to God, that's pretty cool too. Um, but at, at the end of this, it's not a consumer product of church online. If anything, I think there's more, should be more intentionality and focus towards creating disciples virtually than there is, is physically. Andy, you had, um, you had some questions on discipleship or, or a goal. Like, what's the context of what you're trying to achieve discipleship uh, down there at Bay Hope? I mean, it's kind of like exactly what Mark was just talking about. It's the idea that, well, first of all, groups then just groups at the base level um our church right now we're in a weird transition phase where groups are there but they're not really there and it's like well you know what i'm just going to create groups and we're just, i'm just going to do it i'm just going to rip it apart and that's not really healthy and that's not really team building and that's not really team oriented uh we did it i mean we've been uh, over the, the fall of 2019 we were doing kind of a test flight in the groups and um, how's it going to work and i was just running kind of a test group just to see and it was great it worked perfectly fine the technology again was never going to be the issue. It was always going to be the content and how the content was distributed. I've led small groups for 10 years of my life. And so I know how to lead a small group. None of that was, was the thing. It was the actual one-to-one -one connection with people. And what I found was um, one of the guys that I was in a group with, in the group with, he and I just have it, started having regular one-on-ones just and still do, just, but actual physical coffee with each other. Um, so he would drive from his house and I would drive from my house and we would meet in the middle. Luckily he lived like within 15 minutes of the church. So it wasn't that big of a deal. I think right around this time, Jay Cranda put something out about microsighting and I went, oh, this is the way of the future, isn't it? And I just kind of unabashedly let my head fall and went, okay, how do we do that? How in our context, because what Jay is doing out on the West coast looks completely different than what we're doing on the East Coast. His, his culture, his people, everybody's totally different, and, and deservedly so, than on our side. How do I, as a pastor, speak into the lives of people with the truth of Jesus, with the mission of the church, all with the love and care of the Holy Spirit? How do I then make disciples, not in the name of Beho, but in the name of Jesus? How do we do that? But I'm finding that I'm had, having to reorient my metrics as well. So gone is the, hey, man, we had this many views and this many likes and this many clicks and this much traffic. Gone is that. And now it's being replaced by three things that every church does. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. Number three, make disciples. And it's that number three piece that I'm actually starting to put a goal around, a, a numerical, quote unquote, goal. 
um, because obviously you need you need to have signposts and you need to have you need to have goalposts when you're judging effectiveness of ministry or else you're just gonna um, you're just gonna spin your tires a little bit. So I guess for everybody else, my my question to you guys is is how do you judge disciple making and what are you doing to make disciples in your online groups right now? And I suggest that the question would also be what is a disciple, which is let's that's let's a big do thing that. We've had. Let's okay. Very good. Let's define what a disciple is. Well, our discipleship uh, pastor here, uh, the phrase he often uses is, you look like a sheep from the front and a shepherd from the back. Okay. That's, you know, in the sense that you're following somebody, but you're also leading others. You know, and, you know, every, I think everybody has to be false somewhere on that spectrum. You have to, it's a both and relationship. But being able to articulate your faith is, I think, another big thing is that you have a story you can articulate. doesn't mean it's perfected. doesn't mean you've got it all figured out yet. But I think it's something that you recognize, you know, there's, there's a growth here. One of our core values is uh, following Jesus is a growing experience. You know, we haven't yet arrived. And so I think a disciple is somebody who's also, you know, constantly in that refining mode. You know, where are my pressure points now? Where are the things that I need to identify that I'm working on in my own personal faith? Whether that's in your... Um, in your own personal growth and quiet times, or whether that's in a small group, or, or whether it's in a community group of some way, shape, or form, that you're constantly working toward uh, knowing Jesus more fully. Go ahead, Joe. What's your so we've really wrestled with this, um, and we define a disciple as somebody that is growing in the character and leadership of Jesus. Okay. We, we use an X and Y axis. Character is the X axis, and y, the Y axis is leadership or practices because what we don't want is somebody with high character but no they don't live like Jesus they're a sweet person but nobody would ever follow them for a moment but we also don't want somebody that has all the leadership of Jesus but not the character because they can do great damage and so we invite people specifically to grow in the character and leadership or the character and practices of Jesus and we find that that helps people crystallize, okay, I know that there's character I need to grow in. I know that there's leadership or practices I need to grow in. And so then that helps us train them to help others do the same thing. So anyway, that's how we define it. Whether it's um, a bad mullet, like a sheep in the front and a shepherd in the back, or more of the character and leadership uh, of it, um, there's a couple metrics there to, to look at. What's interesting is, I don't know that one hour on Sunday does a really good job of creating that type of person, which unfortunately the butts and seats metric is probably the most valued metric within a, a church. So what's your attendance on Sunday, whether you're being successful or whether you're not successful is, is gauged strictly, at least in churches that, that I've worked with is gauged very strongly on, on that attendance on, on Sunday. Do you guys r relate to that? Maybe like, what are some other metrics that move you away from that one hour on Sunday that really start to move towards measuring maybe a more holistic view, a uh, 168 hour a week view of, of whether your church is successful or not? Just, just nickels and noses, right? We got to get away from that. I mean, I'm not, but I mean, that's, that's the, that's the reality of it. Let, let's count the people. Let's, let's count the money. And then we, we just, we get stuck because our, our church there's so much more to the church than one hour on Sunday. At least I hope there is. If we're truly out there going and making disciples per Matthew 28, we got to do something more than that one hour. So, and actually Brady, um, uh, what's the guy's Shearer. name? Uh, Shearer. Yeah, man. He wrote a great article on this. Um, 
uh, it's on pro church tools. We'll include a link on the, uh, in the show notes, but for what he said there, and he was talking about how we shouldn't be measuring the one we should be measuring one hour a week. We should be measuring 168. And, And really what it comes down to is, is that to effectively measure the 168, you don't count the people who are attending the service on Sunday. You really count like that next step the thing that's after the one hour on Sunday, because your effectiveness in, in getting, creating disciples is hopefully your church has a plan for it. It's just, you need to measure that next step of getting people on that pathway for it. Because the discipleship isn't happening on, on Sunday. Um, most churches, you know, are of the size, and especially the ones that are talking here, uh, Joe aside, like you're not going to get the intimacy the one-on-one conversations, the relational equity out of a, of a gigachurch or a megachurch service. There's, there's pros to that. There's things that you can do in a megachurch service that you can't do in a small, but there's a lot of things you can do in a small that you can't do in a bit. Mark, I think you were the one that said you want a church online to be the effort to make things smaller instead of big. That was a, that was a great line as, as well. What is your all's discipleship? Maybe just even for your physical church, what does your discipleship process look like? Like, What's the goal after the physical church service? What, what's next? Uh, we always encourage people, we want them growing in their faith. So we want them uh, attending more than just Sunday morning. We want them to go to a Bible class. And whether that is in person or on podcasts, we recommend people do that. We also recommend and ask them to go to a retreat. We have uh, annual men's, women's, and youth retreats to grow closer uh, with others and to grow closer in their faith with God and just kind of have a reset. And then we also uh, encourage people to be in small groups and that's that community connection um, and to serve. We have a lot of serving opportunities. So it's, it's, we don't have a specific step one is always this. It's encouraging wherever you are in your walk or wherever you feel called to at that moment. We, we pro- try to provide as many opportunities as we can to do all of that. Mm-hmm. For us, uh, and I haven't seen it yet, but it's, I think it's almost ready to go live. Our adult team has developed a, an assessment tool, if you will. Uh, we offer a ton of things, and it's so hard for a new, a, a new guest to decide, okay, where do I intersect with? What, what should I do first? And so what I'm gathering from what they're telling us is that this assessment tool is really simple. It takes you no time to fill out. And it'll help give you some next steps. It isn't a 101, 201, 301 concept. It's more of a, hey, this seems like it's going to interest you. And it'll give you some categories un- under which you might fall within, whether it's marriage and parenting, whether it's um, financial planning, uh, you name it. It's going to help them navigate our, our class offerings uh, in a way that's going to be more helpful to them. With where it applies to, to what I get to do, I've asked the adult team then, to take that same assessment tool or that, those same things that we're offering and help me understand how to bring those into the online. So I've asked them for a three-tiered approach uh, with what they're gonna offer. Um, the first tier being, hey, these things should have been online yesterday, you know, and, make, and do an effort to start to bring those available, whether on demand or in real time. The second tier are the things that we want to bring online in 2020. We're maybe not ready yet, but we know we want to have them available to our online folks, whether they're five feet down the street or 500 miles around uh, the state. Uh, That's the next tier. The third tier are those things um, that we identify um, will probably never go online. 
that are still best experienced in person. I can't tell you what those are, but I've asked them to give me some of those things so that we can develop a strategy um, to best maximize our, our efforts, especially with regard to folks that, that primarily intersect with us online. Because this, this idea that, you know, we are gonna have people show up at a specific time, you know, in a specific place, I think is, is almost not possible anymore. And we have to begin to offer them chances to, to grow beyond just showing up on Thursday at seven o'clock in classroom right. 201. Joe, what do you do? So we really spend a ton of time on trying to define what a disciple is, because if we couldn't define what it was and people couldn't grab their hands around it, then we would just be doing stuff, which we've done some of, but we just decided, hey, let's just go slow and wait until we you know, discern what does it mean for it to be a disciple in this, in this area, 30 minutes north of Milwaukee. And so now that we have some clarity around that, around who God has made us as a church, vision and values, um, we've actually now been able to make momentum. We, we ask everybody who's new to our church to go through an eight-week small group. It's the kind of thing that could be done in person or online, but it really helps embed in somebody's life some just life-changing DNA that we've seen multiple generations of people being changed by it. So then we'll recruit somebody from the last generation that was really growing and being changed by it to, to learn to lead it. So that becomes some forward momentum in them. And then um, we have small, we call them discipleship cohorts. I don't have a good word for it. I hate all the discipleship words, um, but it's just three guys that meet with me on Thursday morning for six months where we're growing, trying to grow in the character and mm. leadership of Jesus. And so with the goal that after really some foundational stuff and growing in those ways, my hope is two, if not all three of those guys would then be leading other groups. So that's, that's our real main discipleship pathway. Yeah. With the in-between is more topical small groups, because I found in an area that's affluent, where people can travel and be in all different places. Kids sports mean a whole lot. Asking somebody to be long-term committed to a group for the sense of the group doesn't really help. But by saying, hey, we're going to be spending eight weeks meeting in my home on Sunday evening over dinner, learning what does it mean for me to minister one another ministry kind of to another believer. It might, you could call it discipleship or counseling or whatever, but hey, we're going to meet for eight weeks around this topic or have somebody, hey, we're going to meet eight weeks learning and looking at the issue of sexuality as we raise kids in a world where it feels like, you know, things are up, upside down and we don't know how do we talk about these issues? How do we think about them from a Christian perspective? People really gravitate towards an, a time-based topical thing. And so those are kind of the three strands to us growing in the character and leadership of Jesus. Well, and that's, that's where you, it really gets fun, right? Once you start to get people who are, are set free by the gospel, that's where you start seeing things like volunteering, volunteer culture, volunteer recruitment skyrocket because they understand the personal mission of what's involved in it. That's where you start to see people wanting to really get interested in, in the um, uh, micro locations and starting to do things in different areas, which is another opportunity to create a, a, a disciple to the level that they can now start to impact other people uh, through a micro location or through a small group or something like that. So I know several of you, part of your goal was, uh, was volunteering for 2020, uh, increasing the culture of that. 
as well as uh, maybe creating some micro locations and starting to do that. Mark, you're doing micro now. Why don't you just tell us a little bit of that flavor of what micro looks like um, up in uh, Iowa? To be honest with you, it's, it's so funny how God works because we sort of stumbled into it. The Rock Church, Miles McPherson, and I didn't even know those things existed uh, when we first started it. It was literally a group of folks in a town north of us that uh, had a connection to our church that were worshiping each uh, you know, of them online uh, separately that said, what would it look like if we started to get together to do this? And then when they reached out to me, uh, I just, and I, I've known these folks because they were from a town that I, I did ministry in for a short time. Um, I didn't have a reason to say no, but I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it was. And I, I knew one of them worked at the Y in this small town. And I said, isn't there a community room at the Y? You can see if you can, you know, reserve that. And sure enough, it was available. So they reserved this community room. There was a screen that they could pull down on the wall. Uh, they found a projector. They connected it to a computer. They put up a couple of speakers and boom. I had a group of about 20 people in a small town, North Iowa, that were worshiping with Hope Online. Hmm. Didn't know what it meant other than the fact that we, it just started. We didn't have a, a name for it. Um, it just was, it was there. Uh, now, as I, I found out later, this is what a microsite was, you know, but we didn't know that. We just said, here's a group of people that wanted to worship with us. Well, fast forward a bit. There was a couple in another town uh, just to the south of them that heard we were doing this and said, man, this would be great if Hope would come to our town. And now all of a sudden, this little, you know, kind of organic project on the side was, was starting to gain some traction. And I thought, we better get a grasp of, of what this means. And that's when I reached out to the folks at like McLean Bible uh, Church out in uh, McLean, Virginia, and talked to uh, the online pastor at the Rock Church in San Diego and said, you know, what is this idea of micrositing? And literally, it was just empowering people to worship where they were, you know, developing a pop-up church, you know, where it didn't take a lot of overhead, you know, as far as, you know, you didn't need to have the, the huge building to pull this off. You didn't need staff to pull it off. It literally was a, equipping the believers to worship together. Um, and the fact that we could do it through online was, was awesome. Uh, so mm -hmm. now we've, we've got, um, currently we have five microsites or local sites is what we call them because I'm not a big fan of the word micro. That's just a personal thing. I think micro feels small. Local just is more friendly, I think. Um, and we're hoping this year we, to start as many as three or four more. Um, and then the goal of those wasn't to launch campuses. Uh, a nice byproduct of that model is that we've had one grow to a campus size, but we didn't set it up as a numerical, you know, this is your goal. You have to get to 120 people, you know, before we consider you healthy. No, that wasn't the goal. A, a local site can remain a local site for as long as they're, they want to be, mm -hmm. you know, while there's, you know, there's still some growth things we, we've already been talking about discipleship and, and many of those are happening. But our first goal in this was just to develop these small worshiping communities. We are finding that these are popping up in places where there wasn't another necessarily viable, you know, option for people to go to. So uh, if we can be a part of that, we, we're, we're happy to do so. How do you, so you want to launch four or five, mm -hmm. like how do you, how are you recruiting? How are you training? How are you finding like, what's what's the plan in 2020 that is a great question because here's where where we um kind of run into some interesting uh discussions we're a part of a bigger family uh and so in many of these places there have been churches that are within our denomination that have existed maybe they're not viable anymore maybe they've closed um but uh, regardless there are times when there's there's another there's another player in the pool if you will uh, so we're trying to be so, so there's mindful. denominational concerns within your 
questions? Yeah, yeah okay. there, there are. We, we definitely want to be um, good neighbors to our other uh, friends uh, that, are, that are within our denomination. Uh, so my answer when folks say, hey, shouldn't hope be here isn't always an automatic yes. Okay. We, we, and in fact, the first delineator is we, we don't launch a site anywhere where we're not first invited, where there isn't somewhat of a hope connection. It's not like I look at a map and point at it and go, man, let's go there. Uh, it starts by somebody reaching out to us. In fact, I'll just speak really quickly about our, the, the, the one that's kind of on the edge right now. There's a, a town that's about 45 minutes to the north and west of us. And there's a couple that's been driving in. She's, um, the wife is one of our small group leaders in our junior high confirmation ministry. And they've identified that, hey, there's a bunch of families out in this town that, that call Hope their church home. And there isn't a Lutheran church in our town right now. Uh, could Hope be a possibility? And, and my first thought was, gosh, this would be great. Let's talk about that some more. She and I met, met with her husband and um, they went out and they recruited six other families that have said, hey, we would love for this to happen. And so the next step for us is to, to get that group together and to start to build into them as a launch team. You know, what does this mean? Essentially, yeah, you're, you're watching the service online, but part of doing that location, I, I hesitate to use microsite now because you don't like the word. I'm kidding. You can, but, it's fine. Uh, but the, part of that microsite is that you're, you're, the, these people are now at some level spiritually responsible. Like they're, they're shepherding the people that are there. Uh, like I know people who do micro that would call these volunteers campus pastors. Like they have that, that level of, of responsibility. You as a volunteer are now a campus yeah. pastor for the 20, 30, 40 people that are, that are at this location. So, and I, and I meet with those high level leaders uh, once or twice a month uh, yeah. just to make sure, you know, my, my role for them is to make sure we're staying, we're staying on the, on the train tracks you know, because there is a responsibility there. We want to be faithful to this. And that, that's where, you know, the hope DNA is the, the phrase we use a lot. We, we infuse the hope DNA across that, that channel so that if somebody shows up to our local site in Forest City, Iowa, they'll get who we are. You know, hopefully within that first, you know, blush, you know, they'll know a bit about who we are as a church, you know, from the way that these volunteers, you know, go back to that character thing that Joe was talking about through the way that they are. They're not perfect, but what we want them to understand that they represent a bigger story than just themselves. And so we spend a lot of time pouring into those folks to make sure that we have the right folks in leadership. So I know Adrian, I know you were, you were one that also said you're doing micro, right? You're, you're considering starting this. This would be your first, right? Yeah, this would be our first. Um, we actually, we have the full support of our elder team behind doing the microsite thing. They're really, really wow. psyched about it because they want us to start going down this micro path as like our path toward multi-sites, but in a little bit of an unconventional way. Um, they're kind of disenchanted with the way that multi-sites are usually planted by kind of following the money and the people that we have already, you know, we can really put all of our resources behind planting a multi-site in this place or this place, you know. And so what they love about microsites is that we can plant with, you know, a 60 bucks, right? Like a, a Chromebook and a TV that somebody already Already has. It's something that is a little bit easier to do. But one of the things that we have struggled with a little bit in trying to figure out what launching microsites looks like for us as a church is that we have a little bit of a different DNA than most of the other churches in our area. We're really super outreach focused. We, um, we're in Louisville, Kentucky. We've been calling ourselves the Love the Ville Church, and we've got some really successful outreach efforts. We maybe have poor 
poured even a little too much into outreach over the last five years or so. And so we're trying to kind of pull that back and, and pair outreach with a little bit more intentional discipleship. And so it's been my job to figure out what it looks like to marry our really, really awesome outreach program with planting microsites. And so our big dream is to, and this is, I mean, I don't know if it's going to work. We're crossing our fingers and, and praying a lot, but our big dream is to launch our first microsite actually in a children's hospital here in town. Um, we know that there are a lot of people who are there in the hospital who basically live there. You know, you've got people who are waiting for organ transplants or who are living for months on end doing chemo or things like that. And there are parents of these kids who just don't want to leave the hospital, can't leave the hospital, never get to go and do church or be a part of a church community anywhere in any way, shape, or form. And so by bringing church to them, we're going to give them an opportunity to start building community around something that is more positive than the medical kind of catastrophes that they're facing on a daily basis. So our hope is that we can deploy some of our high-level leaders, some of our, our really strong volunteers to go into the hospital and bring a hot meal and create a venue where people can experience both a church service, which we think is important to bring to them, you know, the weekend service experience, but also community and also love and also outreach and all of those things married in one place. So that's our big first, you know, Q1, Q2, 2020, trying to get that off the ground. But that's our dream for microsites for, for 2020 is to marry outreach and the microsite in, into one kind of really holistic ministry space. Yeah, that's taking a, a little, some cues there. It sounds like from uh, Tyler Sampson up at uh, First Capital Christian, their their Church Anywhere program, where they're doing they're doing that. They're going into they're doing their micro locations, not in hotels or, or like ballrooms or, or things like that. Not that it's wrong, but they're being much more aggressive towards going to where people are in in rehab centers and in orphanages and after school centers and and prisons like it's it's amazing what happens when you start to take that environment of of church move it outside of the building and, and get it more engaged to where where people are like there there's a model of this from a multi-site perspective which is the win um you know and and i've i've worked with multi-site churches and, I, and i've launched a a ton of campuses and, and it's it's awesome i love the model of multi-site because it puts the power of a church in, a, in the community. Um, and you've got pastors that are running at the campus pastors and they're, they're doing their thing. I honestly, I love the micro model more. Sorry to use the word micro mark, but uh, we'll figure out a better term. I love the micro model more because I think it literally gives the power to the person, um, the, the ability for that church to be successful. The hero of that micro story is not a campus pastor. It's not a paid worship leader. It's not a, it's not even a staff person. It is, is a disciple who is passionate about reaching an area, whether that's a neighborhood area or whether that's an, an, uh, uh, an after-school center or a, a children's hospital, which is a phenomenal idea. Like, I'm going to go Thank take you. that to somebody. Hey, we need to, well, there, there's literally this hospital right over here, a children's hospital. We need to get in there. Let's figure out how to do it. So if you're in Miami, don't steal that idea. It's mine. Uh, everybody else. Can <laughs> Let's talk about volunteering a little bit briefly here, because that part of that discipleship process is volunteering. And, and Joe, I, I know you are, are, are as a startup, like you are as a church plan, I should say, you're very 
limited on resources. And so you're lending, leaning a lot on volunteers. We've had this conversation in the past too. So just share a little bit maybe about how you're utilizing the volunteers. This sounds kind of ridiculous as a pastor, but <laughs> I have to work hard to pray for volunteers because it can be easy to jump into strategies. And the best volunteers that we've got, we prayed for them uh, hard because we didn't have them. But um, so one of the things that, so one, we just pray hard for them. Um, and then we kind of do two things. One, we just tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, will you experiment with this and help us out in this area for a little while? Uh, you don't have to do it forever if you hate it, you know. Um, but we, but then the thing that really makes a difference is uh, leading with vision and the, the, the possibility of what can happen because then people will give extra time. They will give extra effort they will fall all over themselves to be a part of what we're doing because we don't have the budget to pay people to be involved in these things. I think that's kind of some of what Mark's seeing people that are excited about it in a small town where they're like this, if this isn't here, there's not a viable church for people to go to. And so in our case, by leading with vision, our people, and I always, it always surprises me because I'm not a type A personality, but when I lead with vision, then people think that I am a type A personality. And so they get excited and just about jump across the table and say, I want to be a part of this. I want to use my gifts 167 hours a week to be a part of this. And so then we end up um, with people that are really excited and uh, oftentimes people using their gifts paired to a passion. So that's what we've ended up doing. And I want to do more of. How many of you have volunteers who live in different cities, states, countries who are not even within the city where you are? Mark, Andy, why don't you talk a little bit about that? We're just now kind of getting the team up off the floor after, you know, six months of being here, seven months of being here, whatever it's been. I feel like I'm just now getting my feet under the desk and just now know where the other side of the building is. In terms of volunteers, we have obviously a couple locals, uh, a couple people that I've just, that I'm personally able to meet with. But we also have a couple people that are, one of them's out in New Mexico-ish, that area. Um, and we have a couple that are, I mean, far enough to weigh, far enough away to where I can drive within two hours but that's not local. It's interesting. The, those volunteers I've been able to glean have not been, you know, Joe, Joe was very much saying we kind of have to will ourselves to pray for volunteers. I'm, I'm very much the same way. I think we all are to where those two in particular, one of them, the one who lives within an hour and a half of here, she is um, disabled. Uh, she literally can't leave the house type thing. Got has two, she gets fed from a feeding tube. You know, it's one of it, it's mm -hmm. that, and it's a very tragic story. And yet I went to her after much prayer and much time and kind of training and all that other stuff. And I said, Hey, would you help us? And she said, and I quote, nobody has ever asked me to help because they knew that I couldn't. And it was like this world earth shattering moment, two months into me being in the position that was like, Oh, we really are doing something way different. So Jeff, you talk about engaging people. I think we can engage people that wouldn't normally be, you know, I would not have, her name's Heather, I would not have asked Heather to serve in the, the kids' ministry because her immune system is constantly at negative numbers, and, and yet she can still host a service for us, and she can still do content creation for us, and she can still engage by phone call, by text, by all these other things, minister to people, use her God-given pastoral heart in ways that I don't even think she's known, and she's starting to tap into that potential. How do you, where do you recruit from volunteers? Where, where do you recruit the, the, the pool? Are you 
are you looking outside of the campus? What's the relationship recruiting on campus? Like what, what, what are the tensions you guys feel? I just posted in our women's ministry Facebook group this week. I was like, Hey, they're telling me I have to stop having staff host services. I need your help. Somebody please volunteer. <laughs> I had like 15 people were like, Hey, call me, call me. Let's make this happen. And I've been meeting with people like every hour all week long. So we're just awesome. happy for our campus volunteers. And it's really cool to see them get wrapped up in what we're doing with church online and start connecting with our people who are shut in or who um, we have a lot of people with social anxiety who don't come to church and so seeing them start to build those connections is just really magical it's really incredible so obviously our local site volunteers come from local communities but with our online service uh, i have hosts and those hosts uh, are kind of half staff and half uh, lay leaders um, but as you can imagine, what we do for our hosting is, you know, we have a live camera where we cut into the service and welcome people. We do that three different times throughout the service. And so you have to have a, at least an ability uh, to, to talk off the cuff a little bit because once the red light goes on, uh, you, you have to just start talking. And um, that was a little daunting to me at first because, you know, yeah, it is what it is. You know, we all want to do over and you can't do that in live uh, broadcast. So one of my recruits that I, that I uh, got for a volunteer team is actually, uh, he's an Emmy award winning uh, journalist on one of our local TV stations. And so he just hosted for me last weekend. And I have one of my dedicated, you know, long-term online viewers uh, and worshipers uh, <laughs> reached out to me and said, I really love when Eric is on because he is so good at this, which is kind of a backhanded way of saying, you know, you know, you, Brand, you need to up your game a little bit. But, you know, these are folks, though, that, I mean, I've known Eric for a long time. He, he's got a heart for Jesus. And, and what he does is, you know, he, he's a news, uh, or he's a, yeah, he's an anchor for our morning uh, local news program. Um, well, he's a professional. I mean, let, yeah, let, let it go. You're, yeah, you he, have delegated responsibility. Yeah. He brings his own earwig, like his own little thing, <laughs> because he's got one. I'm like, all right, whatever, Eric, you're the pro here. But, um, but I love, you know, our other volunteers, so our, uh, I tried to, to populate that group with people that, that bring a, a wide demographic into it. So our, our young adult pastor is one of my volunteers and she is great. She does our, um, our young adult ministry on Thursday nights. We have our, our sports ministry uh, guy comes in and, and he is one of my volunteers. Uh, our alpha leader, she is, she's one of my volunteers that helps to host. And then I also have uh, one of my other volunteers is the uh, so we have two major high schools within about a 10 mile radius of us and Valley high school is one of them. And the, the principal of Valley high school is one of my volunteers. Mm. And so, you know, Dave Maxwell, when he gets on there, I mean, it's, that's a big deal for people that tune in online and see, Oh my gosh, that's our principal. And then those kids are, you know, will go into the high school and they'll realize, man, there's an advocate I have on my side. This guy loves Jesus yeah. and he's our principal. You know, I just love that the Dave is one of my volunteers. Uh, plus he's a long-term teacher. So there's another professional. You know, he's used yeah. to getting up in front of people and talking, you know, off the cuff. So he does a great job with that too. So, um, and one of my goals is, you know, with that team, I want that to be, I want that to be diverse. You know, I want to have a wide variety of voices in there so that, you know, when people tune into our broadcast, they don't just see me, they see other folks because um, it's important to have a multitude of voices in that volunteer pool um, because they all bring a unique perspective to things. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cool. All right. So the last thing, this is going to be TJ, but I really wanted, I want to know this, like one of your goals that you wrote here was that you were, your church is interested in planting digital churches, online only churches internationally. And, and I don't, I don't see that a lot. 
Um, but I want to ask the question. So what does that look like? What, what are you guys thinking? This was something that um, we're in the very early stages of conversation on. It was brought to us by another organization as well that wanted to partner. So we are still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. I don't have a great answer for you right now. Like we are still wanting to talk through it. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for them? Um, who do we bring in to help us do this? And, and, and what's the goal? It's, it's early conversations, but 2020 is the year that we want to, we want to hit it um, to at least begin starting the process of what this looks like in these conversations. Interesting. Some just interesting stats. Uh, 60% of the world has internet now as access to high speed internet at some capacity, uh, DSL, cable, um, LTE, 4G, something, at least 4G or up. Um, the next 30% of people who get internet in this, in the world today will be third world countries. So like, these are going to be people with cell phones because there's no infrastructure in place. So utilizing the internet, uh, for church to start to get some churches in front of them, uh, digitally, there's several organizations who are really interested in that. And so if you're interested in that conversation, um, hit me up, hit TJ up. Cause I, I know that. Uh, there are some large organizations trying to figure out how to crack that. Um, I have no idea what to say right there. How to crack that egg. That's weird. How to crack that nugget. How to figure out how to do that. That's just cheesy. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and include all that in there because it'll be fun. It's been a, a great time. And, and honestly, I think as you guys are working through these goals, I know that there are people who are doing church online, who are listening to this, who are wrestling with a lot of these same goals. And, and maybe hearing some of these things, um, hearing how you're figuring out how to, to do it, hopefully is, is, a, is a, a welcome challenge or a way to compliment them to help them with the same process. We're going to include all your social media contacts and, and all that in, in the show notes so they can get all that and, and get connected with you individually uh, if they wanted to, to kind of compare up. But just as we're landing the plane here, um, any last thoughts or anything on y'all's side? I think the cool. microsites are actually going to be super relevant as churches across the country are closing. Um, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the Louisville area because I went to seminary at Southern. And uh, that whole area is filled with churches, but so many of them are dying. And the small towns around it and the small towns up here. Uh, so the microsite idea, of how do we use online ministry to then create physical connections and physical um, churches actually is going to be a super relevant conversation. It is. I mean, your rural rural America is so fascinating because not just not only our ch churches dying, but industries are dying, schools are dying. Um, you know, whole communities, you know, farming communities, even where I'm at, are just finding that. I'm I'm just I'm curious to see what happens, but I still feel like the church has a place in those in those towns, and how can online be a way so if you got a small church that unfortunately cannot afford to call somebody full-time can online be a way to keep people connected to the gospel where they otherwise wouldn't be able to do so and um, i think that's the real awesome opportunity that we have and it doesn't have to be one church i mean that's the beautiful part about online ministry is that so many more churches are embracing this idea and, and you know so you know, what TJ is doing, you know, in being able to offer, you know, a more traditional expression, especially within our, within our bigger family, the Lutherans, there are many folks that that's their heart language. And that's not something that we as a church offer online right now. And so in places where that matters, I mean, here's a church that can do that, you know, and that can be huge 
you know, as we help these remnants, you know, that are still very viable, continue to be the church, because it just, it breaks my heart to think that the opposite would be true, that we're going to have towns like what, what Joe is talking about around the, the country that just don't have a place where people can worship. Um, because yeah, they can connect to, to a church online, but at the end of the day, they need to have community too. And if, and that community is best expressed locally. And if we can help that thrive and uh, that's, that is what my heart is for. Yeah. In, in 10 years, I, I don't think we use the phrase church online anymore. I think it's church. Um, and and the, the vehicle of church uh, for delivery, I think you're going to see the microsite be very popular, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the video being streamed via church online methods like today, or whether it's just very small churches that are now at a much smaller number because persecution because of tax changes because of a number of different reasons bigger churches are going to get bigger smaller churches will continue to get smaller that kind of mid-range church is i think is going to struggle uh to survive and, and i think they're going to go to more of this uh multi-site but even the microsite model in order to stay uh functioning in order for impact uh, by the way and that's i mean i don't want to like die on this right now but that's actually more of a biblical model anyway. And so we can probably have a side podcast about that. We already have, you can go back and listen to some of them along the way, but yeah, I'm very excited about what micro can do uh, in the future and what, what I believe it will do in the future. And, and some of you guys now, Mark, Adrian, like you guys are, are, are paving the way for that. The one thing, anytime I ever talk to anybody who's doing micro sites and I've talked to dozens of people, they all start the conversation with what we're doing now. We may not do in three months, but we're just figuring it out. Like it, the, if nothing else, that one idea has become so experimental uh, in, in the church today, because everyone's seeing that there's a, there's a need, there's a possibility, something organically is happening. And we're trying to figure out if God's calling us to capitalize on it and actually utilize it and start to build more. Um, so we're going to experiment with some things and see. Jay Crandow just had him on um, a couple of episodes ago. He's on version number three of his experiment. He's actually tried one thing. It didn't work. He tried the second thing. It worked really well, but it wasn't scalable. So he tried number three um, out, of, out of Saddleback. So yeah, there's going to be something here. There's a model here that I think is going to affect the church of, of the future. Uh, we just have to be diligent to try to figure out how it works today. So well, guys, this has been great. I'm looking forward to doing this again. Um, and, but we're going to wrap for, for Mark, for Adrian, for TJ, for Joe, uh, for Andy. Uh, this is Jeff with the Church Digital. Thanks for uh, joining in this podcast, and we'll see you next time. Y'all have a good day.